Hello, this is Ray Winston. Welcome to the Chriswood Show, a podcast about all things Premier League football. So listen now. There you go. That's there you go, it. listeners. That is the Chris Wood Show. <laughs> <laughs> we can't open it like that. No, no that's the end God. of the show. That that's the that's the end of the show. We're all done. Even though Ray says hello and welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Just end end the show with hello and welcome. Hello what and welcome. Burnley didn't win this week. We've got nothing to talk about. End of show. Oh I my think... days! Just seen. Oh, sorry to interrupt. No, go on. Uh, City are actually in talks with Ronaldo. Looks, yeah. looks seemingly like it could happen, according to the Athletic. God, according to the Athletic. I mean, it it pleases me because it means they're not going to spend a hundred million pounds on a twenty-nine-year-old. He's still £130 million for two years, or €130 million, Euros, I think, his wages for two years. Yeah, it but, was. But, I mean, Harry Kane's transfer fee plus wages, yeah. Lewandowski transfer fee yeah. plus wages is still going to be a ludicrous amount. It'll be interesting whether they can get him on a free or not. Because um, I think they want him on a free, but obviously he's got one year left on his contract at Juventus. I saw... Um... Like the reported fee was less than thirty million. Yeah, twenty-five million. Like, sure, you'd think it would be more than that, surely. Well, because obviously, I think Juventus want to cash in on him, and also they probably would rather not pay his wages. But it's Ronaldo. Like, if City are p- prepared to pay over a hundred million for Kane, like this is Ronaldo. He's Thirty-six. Yeah, it's still Ronaldo. Like, think of all the sponsorships and everything that you'll be getting. It's like the same with uh, Messi. Like, surely, like, more than 30 million, right? But I think when you get Messi, I think Messi guarantees to make your team better. Whereas I think Man City getting Ronaldo, I don't think he necessarily guarantees of making that team a better team with him in it. I think he's a better striker than everything they've got. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's all this sort of obsession with Man City getting a striker this season, but at the same time, they won the league last season without one. Yeah. It's it's Um, more, I think, the fact because Chelsea have Lukaku and people are kind of... And Van Dijk back. People are kind of like not really talking about Liverpool and United in the same way they're talking about Chelsea. Chelsea are like this new team that have emerged in the last six months that have won the Champions League, you've added a £100 million striker, and now apparently Chelsea are the biggest competitors to City, and it's just that media talk that now, oh, maybe City actually need a striker to win the league. Whether that's the case or not, I mean, I still have Liverpool coming second for me behind City, but it's just the media talk of strikers and seeing what Lukaku did on his debut, for example, I think that's probably why... The striker talk at City is heated up too much. I do think they really need one, though. I mean, it. I think it is pretty obvious when you watch. I mean, how good they are still, but when you watch them, like they are missing that. Like the Spurs game, the opening day. 
I think if they had a striker there, it would have changed. Someone that can like hold the ball up or bring people into play. You know, that like a focal point. Do you know? No, what I, I agree. I think they would. I think they would be better with a striker. I just. I well, don't know whether Cristiano Ronaldo would play it. Would be that focal point. And if he was, whether Pep would use him properly, or whether he would kind of get mangled in the system. I, I, there's just something about it I don't necessarily see, albeit I would love to see him back in the Premier League and I would love to see him playing on the other side of Manchester. It um, would be good. And trying, and you know, to rip apart the team that quote-unquote made him. Let me, let me read some numbers off to you as an alternative to Ronaldo. So in the last two seasons, this man has 14 goals in 32 games, 12 goals in 32 games. He's 28 right now. He ranks in the 92nd percentile for aerials one. I mean, that, of course, is Chris Wood. <laughs> 100 million pounds. Brilliant. I think, but I think Burnley would accept it. Maybe. I, I just think that's that's the option I would want. I mean, you say about a focal point. They need the focal point. He, he is the definition of a focal point. The problem is, Chris wants the statue outside turf more. And I think that jeopardises that. What if he, he won the, the statue anyway? What is the statue? Is it him like plucking a football out of the air with one leg and just balancing a pie on the other leg? <laughs> <laughs> and so he's in midair at this point. He's doing so like a gymnast kind of. So he's kind of legs movement. akimbo, like what Steven Seagal thinks he's doing in his brain whilst he's doing karate moves. His legs completely outstretched, high football, what's balancing on his head, bowling ball. Um, yeah, like a seal, like. like don't forget <laughs> the gravy boat. Yeah, <laughs> don't forget the gravy boat. The gravy boat on his nose, bowling ball on his head, and then the Premier League trophy in his arms. Well, he's not. He could have a statue in his arm, a statue of him in his arms, and the statue. So it's just statueception, just going on and on and on. <laughs> just an endless, infinite loop. It's what he deserves at the end of the day. I mean, you heard the numbers. You heard the numbers. It's all that. It's all that matters. He's got solid numbers. He's the he's the epitome of having a really bland English name, being a really bland default sort of pro club career mode player, but just being very good at what he does and playing in a team that exceptionally overperforms all the time with an incredible manager. And by very good, we mean very good. <laughs> very good for World me is as class. good as it gets. Very good, Chris Wood. We're talking better than Ronaldo here. Well, yeah, I mean, well, let's have a serious chat then. Does he, do you, I think Chris Wood would be a better focal point than Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. For Man City. Yeah, I think he probably would. Like as a well, pure are we focal being serious? point. What? Yeah, yeah, as a focal, as a focal point. the best focal point in the league. Well, Lukaku now, no. Um, 
I, I, I seriously think that he, he could do well there. Most of the goals are tap-ins. In, players running on the inside channels, cutting it back. He's intelligent. They put crosses in the box all the time. Some of them are up high and they've got these little munchkins that can't get to them. He'll be up for that. Ronaldo would be up for that as well, but he wouldn't necessarily be Johnny on the spot in the middle competing. You know, he'd be too busy on the sideline sipping Aperol spritz with Pep, wearing Giorgio Armani, sort of, you know, getting sucked off. I, I, I think Chris Woody's much more focused on what's at hand. And Joe he's much more consistent. With Giorgio Armani, hasn't he? I just see people wearing those stupid Armani shirts. Do you see people wearing those stupid ass tight Armani shirts? And like you know everything else in their in their in their wardrobe is from, from Top Man, which has now gone out of business. I I don't really pay attention, but I mean I just mm-hmm. imagine that Chris Wood wears an all black Adidas tracky. Yeah. Basically every single moment he's not in a Burnley shirt. <laughs> he wears it underneath his Burnley shirt, then he rips it off like he's in Magic Mike <laughs> to reveal the tracksuit. And people still go crazy as if he's as if he's just turned off torn off his shirt because they want to see the black tracksuit. Um, I mean Chris Wood okay. has a better physique than Ronaldo. I mean, yeah. he's younger than Ronaldo. <laughs> well, and Ronaldo just has that. Ronaldo just has low body fat. That's I think Ronaldo would because be he's just too all selfish. about the abs. Like, yeah, yeah. At, at, at City, I think you know he'd just be too selfish. They'd all be passing it around Pep Guardiola style, and he'd just be there, like <laughs> you know, wait, wanting think... everyone to to pass to him and stealing all the goals. Well, yeah, I think you think about him and Grealish in a team. That can tip the balance of a team that's all about sort of short passes, running for each other, making space for each other, going in the inside channel, cutting the ball back. It's all very much dictated around a certain style, which gives the output of a certain kind of goal that you see so often. Jack Grealish and Cristiano Ronaldo don't really aren't really uh, they're not perfect for those kind of goals they don't score those kind of goals they don't assist those kinds of goals so it could you know it could tip the balance um, you think if if a deep ball gets lumped into the box what's Ronaldo thinking he's thinking I've got to try and score a goal with this header what's Chris Wood thinking I can smell the gravy right on the backside. Yeah, <laughs> and I want to flick this ball on because a flick on is the most satisfying thing in football, and that's what it's all about, really. Maybe they need both. <laughs> they could get both, couldn't they? Chris Imagine Wood next that. to Cristiano Ronaldo, and then Chris Wood could have someone to flick it onto. Otherwise, he would be the focal point, but he'd need a focal point behind the focal point. You need two focal points linking up together and being making a focal point pyramid that Cristiano Ronaldo then, you know, boners or overhead kicks or just, you know, abs into the goal. Well, could you get Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes for the same price as Harry Kane, do you reckon? Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood. I'd have to check the rules on FFP. 
but I think you could do that. Yeah. Imagine just buying Burnley's entire strike force. <laughs> yeah. We'll have Vidra <laughs> while we're at it as well. It's a solid. thing is, I think Sean Dyke would immediately bring in three players that look exactly like Vidra, Burns and Chris Wood, and they would play exactly the same. Wouldn't even know they'd gone. That's what's great about Burnley. Someone called Adam Wood, someone called Matty Vidra, <laughs> and someone called Ash Barnes. In the wings. Ash Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's like it's like the whole situation with Kyle Walker leaving Tottenham and then just being replaced by Kyle Walker, Peters. <laughs> <laughs> and then when Kyle Walker Peters was sold to Southampton, he was replaced <laughs> by Kyle Walker Peters Ash. <laughs> uh, is this even? Are we? Is this going in the? Is what is this? Ashley Barneswood. <laughs> This is us. This is just three guys talking about Christopher Ashley Barnes. Christopher Ashley Barneswood Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is just three guys talking about Chris Wood being better than Ronaldo. That's all this is. Christopher Ashley Barneswood Vidra Dyke Barnsley. <laughs> What's Where's the long let, let's let's have a competition. Who can name the most? Who can do the longest name of Burnley players without stopping off the top of their head? Nah. Uh, Christopher Ashley Barneswood, Bardsley Pope, Dyke, Sean. Jesus, oh, right. Come on, challenge yourself. Great, but this is we're combining like at the end of a movie where all the aliens come together and make one massive fucking super alien and you're like oh we thought we defeated the aliens and then they all blend together and make one big person this is like when all of the burnley players merge into one humongous person to just smash the ball from one side of the pitch to the other and score a goal it's like their ultimate if it was a video game so who is this player it's Chris, Barnes, Ash, Wood, Pope, Barsley. Now I'm just saying the same players as you said. Charlie, <laughs> me, Westwood, Cork, Neil, Brownhill, Aaron Lennon <laughs> now as well, again. Again? Has he gone back? Yeah. Oh, the pulling power of Burnley these days. So the Christopher, the Christopher Ashley, Barnes, Dyke, Sean, Cork. Ashley, Jack, McNeil, uh, Tarkovsky. Tarkovsky, is Tarkovsky Barnsley. there? What do you mean is Tarkovsky? Yeah. I need to get a fucking squad sheet that up. Go on then, Marlon. You go for uh, one. Just say Ashley, Barnes, Wood, Pope, Tarkovsky, uh, Bardsley, Cork, McNeil, Goodmanson, Lennon. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. For the next for the next one, I'm going to have it all written down into one long thing, ready to say. That can be this that because this time it was an absolute shit show. So that can be the start of the podcast. Next podcast, just yes. reading off an obscure varied random list of all the different Burnley names. Perfect. It's like a celebration of the British Isles. 
in a way. Um, all things great. Okay, so now we've now we've done that. <laughs> do you want to um? Want to do you want to talk discussion? about Southampton FC? I can lead yeah. us in with a question if you want a question to be led in with. Okay. It's uh, totally on the spot, Take not thought of before. <laughs> yeah. Take it away with your improvised question. I think myself and quite a lot of people going into the season were worried about Southampton, sort of having them around the 16th, 17th, 18th mark. Obviously, we've seen them play Everton and Manchester United now, just come off their biggest away win in history against Newport in the Cup. How how do you think Southampton are getting on so far, Marlon? Well, um, well, we kept Timmy Abraham quiet, so that's a good start. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know because it's only been uh, two games, so it's quite hard to judge. And I think Southampton are literally, you know, the embodiment of one of those teams that are hard to predict and you don't know like really streaky and you don't know what you're going to get one week to the next um i was why don't you go through sorry go on no sorry yeah i was gonna say go through from like like you were about to do go through from the start of the season how you were feeling and then sort of before some of the transfers after now you've pretty much gone in and replaced some of the players that you've that you've sold and now we've got three games under the belt, sort of how you were feeling across those periods and how you would assess the different kind of decisions and things that happen. Are there any young right backs maybe that have caught your eye? <laughs> Carl Walter, Carl Walter Peters Ash. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the way last season ended was really bad as well, because I think we lost. Well, we had the worst form in 2021. I think maybe we're right down there in terms of, um, you know, Premier League and all the way down to League Two form. Um, so, you know, I've, I don't think any Southampton fan was excited going into this season as we have been before. You know, last season, we there was a bit of excitement there, even though it didn't go the way we wanted it to. Um, yeah, so... And then losing Danny Ings and Vestergaard, especially, that's when, you know, you start to fear the worst. Um, I, I get the fact that, you know, you can't turn it down, the 30 million for Danny Ings out of the blue from Aston Villa. Um, I think, you know, from the board's point of view, that's something you will do. You'll accept that when that comes in. Because um, he only had a year left on his contract and he wasn't going to sign again. From what I've heard, anyway. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like, really, it's still sort of a wait and see at this stage because there is a bit of anxiety that from the fans that we're still going to be down that end of the table. And I think we will still be down there. I think we're still, you know, very much in relegation territory. What do you guys think? Do you think the signings... Adam Armstrong brought in a Brazilian defender. I want to address your comment about being in the worst form and just say that you did the double over Burnley last year. Um, So you can't have been that bad. (laughs) Elite British side. That was delightful. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, the one solitary silver lining <laughs> in a grey, grey cloud. Yeah. To be fair, actually, we did have a lot of injuries in, at the time. I think like most of the squad was out injured for one period. And then, uh, you know, the famous Man United away game where that young academy guy got sent off after 90 seconds. What was the score of that <laughs> game, by the way? Uh, I seem to have forgotten. I can't remember. It only gets mentioned uh, <laughs> about three times a game. It's a Sky Sports um, classic. Yeah, but I think, you know, the way they've addressed the transfer window is we will sell the players. If we get an acceptable offer, we will sell them, especially these guys that have only got a year left on their contract. It's essentially like if you've got a year left on your contract, you've almost got no nothing left on your contract because it's just like, well, you're going to be sold or you're going to sign a new one. Um, and they've approached it as in now we'll replace them with young sort of prospects. Chelsea Academy graduates. Yeah, Chelsea Academy <laughs> players. Disgruntled. Um, players that, you know, Joe's never heard of from Chelsea. Um, a certain right back that seems to... I know them all. <laughs> all 500. Tino Livramento is the bollock. It's like a university. Uh, I saw yeah. you play Man United. I didn't see the Everton game, but I saw you play Man United. And I think it was a very good performance. It was a very sort of determined performance. I think you pressed them very well and you exploited Man United playing slowly. It was fantastic to see Bruno Fernandes flailing on the floor. Oh, and that was Shea Adams just hit a completely wayward shot and just deflect into the net. It's it's so rewarding to see. <laughs> um, I thought Livramento was very good in the game when he played both at right back and at right wing back. I think the only thing that was a slight shame, although you can't, I don't know how much you could knock him, was the Adam Armstrong chance. He probably should score it, but I mean, oh, the yeah. fact that he's in the position, the, the, the fact that he even gets that chance, I guess, is a positive. And I mean, he took he's almost shocked. I liked his speed, though. Yeah, and like like you say, he took the one against Everton as well. The one he took against before. Everton was too good. It was almost like risky. The fact he's going for the top bins like that. You know, when it's just needless to have a finish that good. He used it all up. That's why he didn't score against United. <laughs> I think yeah, one thing though, scored that. Yeah, I think one thing though that I take, I, I agree with everything Adam said about the how impressive the performance was. I think the thing that would worry me was Roman Peru, the Bertrand replacement. I thought he looked out of his depth, and obviously it's the first game, and uh, it's easy to take that one game out of context, but. I think in both towards the end of this game when they switched to the to the wing back system and brought um Carl Walker Peters on as the left wing back. And I think you also played Carl Walker Peters as a left wing back against Newport yesterday. Yeah. That has me concerned that potentially Peru is out of his depth and he's not been brought on necessarily as an outright replacement for Bertrand and maybe you know Ralph is looking at playing Carl Walker Peters on the left, which I would be worried about because he already looks out of sorts on the right when he's defending. So you take away, you know, his strong foot and his attacking flair, and then you play him on the left and you've got Roman Peru 
I wonder what you thought about that, about him in the, in the United game. Yeah, that's a really interesting point because in pre-season he's played Gineppo at left back as well. Even yeah. after he's brought, so he brought in Peru. I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Um, early on. I was going to say yeah. Time. I don't actually know. I was going to say yes. Yeah. That's how you say it. I'll just go with what you're saying because I, I don't know either. I'm um, fluent. <laughs> I'm fluent in bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he brought in um, Peru. Uh, before pre-season I think so he's had that the entirety of pre-season and Gineppo was still playing at left back in a few of the games and then he was saying as well he's he sees Gineppo at left back and that was worrying in itself Um, and he's now brought in um, like a 17 year old left back from Everton I don't know if you've heard about that Thierry Small oh Thierry Small yeah Um, so yeah, he sees left back obviously as an area we still needed to strengthen. Um, I did too, to be honest, because you can't have Gineppo as a left back. And uh, yeah, judging from so Peru's yeah. stats in Liga, he's well, he won the well, he was the left back in the team of the season, which was okay. good. But it looks like he's a very sort of attacking fullback, and yeah. it seems defensively he's a concern. And he's, he's not, not the biggest guy either. No, he's the sort of Cedric build about him. You know, yeah. he's going to get out muscles. Slanderous against Cedric <laughs> right here. To be fair, I think Cedric has a bit of a better build in the sense that Cedric is almost like he has this headless chicken vibe where, like, even if you try to like tap into the ground, it like hustle away. He's got this sort of rat-like speed about him. Whereas I think Peru was a bit more, a uh, bit more laboured, a bit more relaxed. A bit more Peru about it. When we um, had Cedric in our side, 90% of our goals were headers at the back post on Cedric. <laughs> I think what you're describing about Peru, it, it gives me, it reminds me of when we... Adam, it's pronounced Peru. Peru. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. You said it. One right. thing about Peru. Uh, <laughs> Peru. Saying, it reminds me of when we signed Kalazanak. That's Sayad Kalaznak for the next time you guys want to pronounce it. Sheed. Um, <laughs> Sinead. Sinead. Sinead Kalaznak. Kalaznak. Um, because he was team of the season as a wingback for Schalke in the Bundesliga. Came to us. We basically played our entire attack was getting Iwobi to dribble forward, have Kalaznak on the overlap and hit an aimless ball into the box. And then we tried to play him as a left back and he just couldn't. Of course, the silver lining for him is he played centre back against West Brom in a cup game. So it's not all bad, but it just reminds me of that same sort of coming in from a European league with the pedigree going forwards. But I mean, that's just not going to cut it in the Premier League, really, is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, with every transfer, you're taking a gamble, aren't you? And we at Southampton they seem to do it with every single one there's no proven player that comes in um apart from maybe Theo Walcott on loan but yeah I mean that's that's what was worrying me when I was looking when we brought him in I was doing a bit of research and it seems he's just attacking all the time he's not actually doing much defending or he can't do much defending especially playing for a team like Brest I don't think they're actually one of the best teams in France at defending quite a bit and he's not doing much. So, yeah, I definitely see your point there with him. 
Um, yeah, how do you guys see it? Do you think? I mean, do you think Southampton are going to be in relegation worries, looking over the shoulder, or is there potential there? I think when you have Ralph Hassan, who was your manager, there's potential. I think there's potential, as you say, like you're a streaky team. There's potential to be top of the league in November, and there's potential to be the worst team in the 92 teams in the English pyramid in the second half of the season. Like you could easily do a similar thing to what you did last year. I think it will ballot. It will be a lot more in the middle than that. I don't think you'll be at either extreme. But I can certainly see you going on a a five-game run of winning maybe four games and drawing one. I can equally see the following five games being four losses and a draw. I, I can see you having ups and downs, but he gives you a chance. If you're going to press against teams, if you're going to have shots, you're going to have Armstrong going through on goal against Man United, in a sense, that's a positive. Mm. I just don't think you have the depth in your squad or necessarily the quality in your squad to push you any higher. I think you're relying on an 18-year-old right-back, this new Brazilian centre-back who I've never heard of. As you say, every chance was a gamble, and Saints Saints are trying to get 21 in their first hand. Like, it's not... You're taking so many risks. Some well, what of them they will pay off, but not all of them will. And if you lose the qual- the absolute quality of Ings and Vestergaard, yeah, you can't look at that team and say you've replaced that. So I think yeah, you'll be in the conversation. But I think there are teams worse than you, so I think you will be fine. It's interesting you say about the squad depth because that's been the strategy of the window to to have a much stronger squad because of last year, like I said, with the injuries. And we were playing in the FA Cup and we seen that seemed to hinder our league campaign, I think, because we were, we had to play the same team in the FA Cup games because there was just no room for rotation. We rotated against United away and look what happened um, with academy players in the team. So, yeah, that's why you see the likes of El Yanusi. He's not going anywhere, he's staying. Um, he wanted to keep Lamina as well, but he couldn't. Um, yeah, so I think from that point of view, that that's looking good because I think last night against Newport, the one thing was, yeah, all right, it was Newport, but like uh, the players that came in, there was for the first time you saw a bit of hunger and competition because they've got to sort of fight for their place. Yeah, Kyle Walker Peters, he's just, I, you feel for Kyle Walker Peters. He was one of our best players last year. And uh, yeah, you got this 18-year-old come in who, albeit it's been very good, and I can definitely see why he's come into the team. Um, but last night you saw Carl Walker-Peters, I think, fighting for his place, as you did with some of the other players. Mm. El Yanusi is trying to fight for his place. He's come back, trying to get back into the side, scored yeah. a hat-trick. Well, El Yanusi played excellently at Celtic when he went there. He scored one of the best goals I remember in the season where he came to Southampton initially, that, that long run from one side of the pitch to the other where a few ball rolls. Fox Wasn't and that defenders, Same person. And then... Um, <laughs> <laughs> just just take away all my credibility of Southampton knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> Bufal and Elianusi are essentially the same fucking player, to be fair. But, except from they're two different people. 
Um, where did Buffon end up in the end? Is he still? He can't still be there. He was sold, know. isn't he? He's not a Southampton anymore. I think he might have gone on a free, even terminated his contract. Oh wow. Okay. But yeah, he plays for Nice pronunciation. Um, it's Angus. <laughs> I think. I think Alunusi is a good player. He's a good squad player. Um, I agree with what Adam said. I think Southampton's greatest asset is Ralph, um, is the manager. And specifically the command, the organisation and the competency that he can personally instil in that midfield. So I feel like when you're a weak squad, which I would assess Southampton as being in terms of quality, it's very easy in the Premier League for you to get overwhelmed in midfield. I think it's much easier, you know, to play on the defensive and, you know, put a couple of banks of four and have some, you know, some decent pressing, but stay compact and do all that. But if you're going to win games, then you have to play expansive. Ralph wants to play expansive. And if you're going to do that, then you put your midfield in a position to be overrun. And the way that he commands his midfield and the commitment, the organisation, the balance that he has across a midfield, no matter who indeed is in that midfield, I think is outstanding. And the way he's transformed players like Oriol Romeo and James Ward-Prowse specifically as that those sort of two great two sort of central midfield players, the things that Ward-Prowse has added to his game in terms of the pressing, the defensive ability and the physical strength things that he's kind of added from Romeo and Romeo being much more calm and better on the ball, less willing, more willing to play short passes and keep the move progressing. Whereas I remember when he was at Chelsea, he'd have a tendency to play the wrong pass, too long, many long passes that didn't match his ability. The way Ralph has developed that midfield, I think is astounding. And last season I had them tipped to be relegated because I, and I, def, and I, I, I still think that, last season looking at them their squad was in the bottom three squads and this season arguably the squad has gotten has gotten worse albeit perhaps you've got a bit more depth and a bit more competition in the squad as you as you said but I think overall in terms of that first 11 you don't have Ings and you don't have Vestergaard anymore um, nor Bertrand yet seeing what Ralph was able to do last season with those players and ha- how good that midfield can be. I, th- I think there are teams that, even if they've got similar quality or slightly better quality, I think you can overcome them because you're much more organised, much more committed, and there's more fire in the belly. And I think you saw that against United, where United were so lackadaisical, even though they have so much quality. And Pogba was playing ridiculous passes. And the goal that they scored was was some incredible play by Pogba. Most of the time you were able to snuff that out and it was generally ineffectual. Um, so that's why I, I, I think I agree that Stampton will, will probably stay up. Sean yeah. Dyche has a fire in his belly. <laughs> he does. Wow. Constantly has a fire in his belly. It's heartburn um, <laughs> from all the meat pies. You see. Chicken vindaloo. Um, it's just oh. there's so much... Yes, imagine imagine an Indian in Burnley, just like how oh my God. dreadful that would make you feel. Are you talking about like a curry or are you talking about the person? Or... I'm talking about a curry. <laughs> oh, okay. I was just making sure because like be fair, I, I know Burnley probably I don't, I know Burnley don't have any. What's that? 
the person wouldn't last very long. <laughs> well, that's, that's why I was kind of like, well, you know, an Indian in Burnley. I mean, I'm sure they'd welcome everybody with open arms, except from every single player in the squad and the first team is as white as a sheet. Um, <laughs> that's why we're hoping for Maxwell Cornet to come in. Yeah. Another French pronunciation, Maxwell Cornetto from from uh, from Lyon, is it? Or was it Lille? Uh, Lyon. Yeah. Lyon, right. Well, I think going back, going back to Southampton, I think they're one oh. of those teams that is it's like the system is what the team is. Yeah. And anyone who mm. comes into the system plays above or plays to the level of the system. So the individual quality of the players isn't as in, obviously, if you get better players across your whole eleven, you're going to be better. But you can bring in a Diallo into that midfield. You can bring in Carl Walker Peters at left back, and you can bring in Adam Armstrong, for example. And you don't see a huge drop in levels because it's just based on the system, isn't it? It's not yeah as reliant on one player. Whereas I think two years ago you were very reliant on Danny Ings. I think that's kind of maybe changed a bit because obviously we were all looking at it last season going Danny Ings scored 18, 19 goals whatever it was when he was fit for a whole season but he's not going to stay fit for a whole season two years in a row and he didn't and then the drop off he still got like 12 goals or something but that's a lot more manageable than having to rely on one 18 goal a season player because when you lose that player as you've done you can't expect Adam Armstrong to come in and replicate what Danny Ings does, but the system kind of allows him to approximate it well enough. Yeah, I think that's that's actually a really good point because when Hasenhutl first came in, one of the best strikers I've seen at Southampton in the Premier League, Manolo Gabbiadini, like he didn't stand a chance playing for Ralph Hasenhutl because he just didn't do the running, he didn't do the pressing, he didn't play the system. Even though he's got the quality there and he makes some of the best, most intelligent runs I've seen, it you know, in terms of quality, he didn't play to the system. So he's straight out the door. Um, you know, it's a sort of no tolerance policy. You play my way or the highway sort of thing. Um, I'm 27. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can go down to Fratton. You know, who have a um, no tolerance policy. <laughs> Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so surprised. Um, yeah, um, Adam Armstrong plays the way, like even the mannerisms are similar to Danny Ings, but he's not Danny Ings. He's not the quality of Danny Ings, but it's almost like they've gone, they've watched the DVDs and it's like, who can we get that looks like Danny Ings? Adam Armstrong. When I grow up, I want to be Danny Ings. <laughs> That's what he was saying in school. Yeah. So um, he's proved. And now, now he's got the Adam Armstrong, Stuart Armstrong. Hello, Yaya. I haven't child. seen them on the pitch at the same time yet. I know, I know. How do we know they're not the same person? Mm. What do you make of this Brazilian guy then? Obviously, I've heard nothing about him before, but do you know anything about him? Do you think he'll improve... Is he an improvement on Salisa and Jack Stevens? I really don't know, to be honest. What I've what I've heard is a little bit worrying in terms of this guy is more he's in the sort of frame of Mario Lamina, like the 
showboating the social media all day every day personality he, okay. the Torino fans were really happy that he's gone as well you know I don't think they liked him his attitude stinks a bit <laughs> they haven't been happier since Joe Hart left <laughs> um, I don't know how good he is defensively he seems like he's good on the ball so that's what they've targeted in terms of Vestergaard leaving um, he can play CDM as well I've heard I think like they wanted a centre-back that could play CDM, but maybe they've looked at that too much in terms of a quality because, you know, when you bring in a centre-back, you want a defender, don't you? You don't. How much yeah. emphasis do you put on somebody? Oh, he can play midfield. I think especially like, given who you've got in at the moment, like Bednarek and Jack Stevens, who do have defensive Yes. Yeah. As, I, as does Salisu, although I haven't seen him play quite as much. I really wanted to see us sign a defender that you know straight away is going to improve our team, even with the way our transfer policy is. Mm. I wanted somebody that you could look at, you could hear things about, you could look at the stats and say, yeah, this guy is going to improve the defence because that's the area that's our weakest part of the team. Um, I'm not sure this guy... He looks hard as nails, though. Have you seen him? Have you seen what he looks like? Describe him. I haven't. I haven't seen. Like, him. I'm looking. The at tattoos him. all over him. Like, I don't know. He just looks like. Oh. Oh yeah. He's built up as well. Yeah. No. So, I see. He's got the beard going on. He looks quite angry. Like a sort of. <laughs> he looks like a roast Sergio with all the Ramos. trimmings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, shot earlier, Ramos. Yeah. So hopefully it's one Sometimes of those. Where's headband? Some people have compared it to the signing of Wesley Hoot, and if it's oh, anywhere no. near as bad of, as bad as that, then yeah, he'll be off. I know you don't have the money, but it's like somebody like a Kurt Zuma, I guess, would have been a perfect because you know what you're going to get with him. You know he's better than what you have. You've heard yeah. of him. He's done it in the Premier League. He's not going to be Champions League level. Well, he is Champions League level to an extent, but he's not going to take you to the Champions League. That's what's not what Southampton need. He, like he's going to come in and he's going to be a good mid-table centre back. So he'll immediately improve the defensive capabilities of the back line. And he's someone that could stay with you if he stayed with you for five years. He wouldn't. Mm. Neither of you would outgrow each other at any point. Yeah. The only. Yeah. Like, issue could be as if you did get relegated but I think if you brought someone in like Kurt Zuma I, I think you're immediately taken further away from that relegation conversation the one thing that backline needs is like leadership and command it hasn't got that Bednarek and Salisu this that's the other thing this guy he doesn't speak English he speaks Portuguese how's he going to communicate with the defense I can't see it via yeah. Jose Mourinho <laughs> um, and as well with Vestergaard leaving you've you've lost the height you know who are we going to have on set defending and attacking set pieces I don't a know. little bit worrying the long balls as well like the amount of long ball switches Vestergaard would play out to the yeah. wing back or a winger I mean not that you need them but they were they were quite something to see um I don't well, think Jack Stevens is going to step in and start playing those you, those passes. From what I saw with Vestergaard, he's one of the best 
you know, ball playing centre backs in the league. And I think that's what they've targeted with this uh, this Lyanko. It seems to be he's a good passer of the ball, but I don't know. The defensive side's worrying me a bit. I don't. I can't really say I know a lot about him though. So hopefully it works out. Who do you think was the bigger loss between Vestergaard and Danny Ings? Danny Ings, for sure. Given everything you've just said about Vestergaard? Yeah. And, and the replacements you've got for each of these players? I, the replacements, well, I can't really... I don't know how much I can say about this Lyanko guy, but Adam Armstrong seems to be, like I said, he seems to be a pound shop Danny Ings. He play. He's got even got the same mannerisms as Danny Ings. He's not so in the same shots. quality. Yeah. Um, the whole Burnley fan club is angry. You know. Why? Because I like pound. I mean, shots. I think they'd be angry at this podcast anyway. Oh. Yeah. But no. we big. We've literally said Chris <laughs> Woods better than Ronaldo. Yeah, we we've picked them up, but we've also taken them down at the same time. Well, exactly. These this is this is the balance that you only get from the Chris Woods show. <laughs> <laughs> that, that does remind me, though. Would you? I I came up with an idea for a segment. Would you like to hear it? Yeah, go on. Okay. This is my uh my new segment. It's um. Things you didn't know about Chris Wood. Are you interested? Are you intrigued? I know everything about Chris Wood. Do you think you know everything about Chris Wood? But that's what this segment is here. I'm as interested as I'm interested in a Burnley meat pie. Wow. So So you're really interested. And then I would insert a theme tune, you know, things you didn't know about Chris Wood. Boom. Right. Ray Winston's voice doing that. Things you Let know. him play now. Things you didn't know about Chris Wood. Now. Now. <laughs> Where's my check? So, things you didn't know about Chris Wood. On So the first ever things you didn't know about Chris Wood. Something you didn't know about Chris Wood is that Chris Wood was bullied at school for playing football. Oh. Why? Oh. He's so well, good at it. Knew that. Exactly. What? Why? Because obviously, you know, why? Why would he be bullied for playing football? Because you know, you, he's he's such a step up lad. You can catch him down. You can catch him down the white line nine at, times out of ten after a game. Uh, he likes his lager shandy. He likes his Brexit hard, but he's in he's he's a Kiwi. He's from New Zealand. And they play rugby in New Zealand, and basically they think football's a pansies game. Look, Chris, I know you're listening, so this is for you. <laughs> I'm sorry you had to go through that bullying. This is about to end bullying. You are a wonderful striker. You're a gift to the Premier League. Go out there and score fifteen headers. <laughs> There's not a dry eye in the house. There's not a dry eye in the house. <laughs> I'm just picturing corners, you know. He's going up for the corner, not in. Goodmanson whipping in a bowling ball. <laughs> so you know what he did do in order to respond to the bullying? Because Chris Wood doesn't just sit, stand by, idly by. Oh, no. And let himself get bullied. Oh, no. He went and said, okay, I'll go and play rugby. 
And according to him, he whooped them all. He whooped them all, and then he went back to playing football. So, <laughs> did a year at school playing rugby, showed them all up, and then went back to playing football, and they didn't mess with him again. No part so, of was surprised about that. This was before he met Sean Dyche. This was before... Well, he knew of Sean Dyche. He kind of had this image of like a ginger beard that he would just sort of think about and look towards, but he never knew what it meant. Like a weird fever dream. Even the kids uh, in the slums in Africa know of Sean Dyche. Yeah, they don't. They've never seen anyone with ginger hair before, so it is kind of like uh, it, it's like when they sort of have a really weird interpretation in like an Indiana Jones movie of African tribes and they're sort of worshipping some weird ideal <laughs> in your beard. And I, I didn't do Indiana Jones, Steven Spielberg, so that's his fault. So yeah, that was things you didn't know about Chris Wood. For the or, thumbnail or of the episode, can we have yes. a picture of Sean Dyche with hair? Sean Dyche with hair. Content? They That'd are good. I could, I could put his face on 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 the dog. That would be perfect. Okay, consider that done. I've got a good picture of him just with his very very ginger hair, but he's not got the beard. It's like he can only have one or the other. <laughs> you have to draw it on. See if I can find some ginger dreadlocks. Um, okay, so that was Chris Wood. Anyway, back to Southampton. If you haven't had enough of Southampton already. I can speak all day. All day. Go on then. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Where should I start? Maybe Tino Livramento. As I'm Tino dying Liver- to talk about him. Okay, go on then. Go on a Tino Livramento right, this, fix. This guy. He's the right? bollocks. Yeah, exactly. This guy is going to be one of the best right backs in the world. From... And I'm saying that, you know, from two 90-minute performances. Now, this guy, like, he's 18. I can't believe he's that good. I've never heard of anyone that age. I I can't believe this guy is 18 with his performances. Um, And I think Chelsea have a buyback clause, and I can see that being, you know, activated in a year or two from now, even with the right-backs that Chelsea have got. You know, once Azpilicueta gets a, a year or two older. Um, yeah, but he's not going to be here long. But you never know, because the reason the reason he left was because he couldn't see himself coming into that team. So it's unlikely that he'll be coming straight back. And you've got Reese James, who's a young boy himself. So, you know, Reese James is 21, so he's only three years older. Um, so we'll buy him back when uh, Reese James is retired at 33, and Tino Livramento's 30. We'll get a couple. We'll get a couple years out of him. Yeah, I think it's because he's not. He hadn't played in the Premier League. Though. Well, I think he hadn't. He, he'd maybe come on as a sub a couple of times, but I don't know. After a year or two of playing yeah. week in week out in the Premier League, he might change. He might fancy himself a bit. You never know, but I think I think what was so impressive watching the Manchester United game is is not because I think his his technical ability is a good is good that the Chelsea knew that Southampton clearly knew that 
The one thing you can't necessarily know about players, especially ones that have never played in the Premier League before, is what their mentality is going to be like. And his mentality throughout that game was hard as rock. He was, he made really ambitious, courageous, determined, and also focused in terms of his... his Any more synonyms? Uh, any more sin? <laughs> no, no, the, the, all these words. Keep them coming. An extra word of Christopher Ashley Barnes Wood, Barnsley, <laughs> Sean Dyke. No, um, I was really impressed with him and his mentality coming into the game. He was he was fired up, like we've said so much with Southampton. And I don't know how much that is Ralph Hasenhutl getting into his head early on, but I was really impressed not only with how he started the game, but how he kept that ambition throughout the entire game. And built on it even more as well when he was uh, when he was playing wing back and found himself in some quite high up positions and was often quite willing, even in the dying embers of the game, to make long sprinting runs to try and track back. Um, yeah. So that was impressive. That mentality was impressive. Um, and obviously he's he's probably going to have some games where he doesn't play so well. Um, but you know that mentality is um, is priceless. I think Ralph has got into his head a bit because it sounds like this guy was our top target since March. Or they said they've been wow. looking at, they tried, they were talking with Chelsea back in March. He was the top target mm. of the transfer window. Um, it's, I, I don't know how true this is, but I think that this is what I've heard. Um, and yeah, he's prepared to put his faith into him. He's He's going to play... You know, he's overtaken Kyle Walker-Peters already. He was mm. one of our best players last season. Leaves Jan um, Valerie in the I think what, in, what in that the does for your confidence, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, his confidence must be through the roof. And mm. Well, hopefully it's a positive spiral, that he'll, he, he'll get even more confident, even more better, he'll try even more things, so. Yeah. You know. I did watch a 18-minute compilation of him on YouTube for Chelsea's Academy. Also and, did. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the Chelsea Academy commentators, because they seem to have their own dedicated commentators for that. You know, yeah. Every single clip of Livermento, they were bigging him up. Like, he's the best player in the Academy. Like, Livermento again, like, he's outstanding. Like, you know, that sort of thing. So that bodes well as well. Yeah. I'm excited by him. I, I genuinely do think he's going to be one at, you know, at 18 now. I think even just two years playing in the Premier League, week in, week out, that takes him up to 20. Mm. Think how good he could be then. Mm. I think he Away will, at I Newcastle think, at the weekend. Big, yeah. big, nice big pitch. Playing on the counter. Maybe play a five back. Mm. Let's see. Put Lineko in there? Probably not. I don't know how match fit he is. Um, Yeah, probably too soon to be registered as well, potentially. But but yeah, that'd be another one to watch. What do you Um, both make of Armando Broger, the guy that got a couple goals last night? Obviously, he was at Chelsea. Another one of these that Chelsea are letting go to Southampton. It's, It's a loan deal or something, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, he's actually one that I had I had heard of and have 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 seen before, and I I like, you know, he seems to be quite a good player. I can't say too much about him. I like his 
his his physicality for a forward. That's one I've seen him maybe the odd occasion, and I'm impressed by the way he holds his body. I think he's quite a tall player. Um, yeah, he's six foot three. So he, yeah. I like the way he holds his body and the way he moves um, on and off the ball. Um, but I haven't seen much of him in terms of a, his actual striking abilities, i.e. his attributes of shooting and heading and things like that. But his, his, his physicality and the way he holds himself seems, seems quite good. He, he could be quite a nice striker. I literally know nothing about him apart from what you've just said. And also the fact that Ralph has said, um, you know, it's going to take a bit of time for him to get into the team, really. He played against Newport, but judging by his comments, he's not really adapted to the system yet. And like we said earlier, the system is dictates this team. So I think maybe that's also down to his his physicality a bit, you know, being that big. It's quite yeah. hard to, to do a lot of running, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's literally all I know about him. I don't know anything else. You've heard maybe of him. you need a, a segment. Good sign. This is one you maybe heard you of. need a segment. Maybe you need a brand new segment presented by Ray Winston, sponsored by Bet Three Six Five, so that you can find out more about Amando Broja <laughs> or Broja, for example, how you pronounce his name. Mm. Might be helpful. Might be so. We're going for Broja last night. Broja. Okay, that's cool. He's Albanian. But Broja sounds better. Broja is very. Uh, be the Spanish, if, like the Spanish spelling. Where's he from? I don't even know. Albania. Albania. Yeah. yeah. Albanian national team. He was born in Slough. To Albanian parents. Would he qualify for England? Not um, well, it looks like any sort of. I'd have thought so. Where's the cutoff for you to decide? Isn't there a cutoff? Whenever you like... want, because like Laporte, Diego Costa. Oh, they changed it now, haven't? It didn't. It wasn't that like a recent change in terms of the international sex. I thought it was a point like 23 years old where you have to sort of make the delineation, which is why all of a sudden you saw Laporte. Um, switching you see that with some of the Spanish the French players the Brazilian players Portuguese players where there's a I think if you haven't played for them in a competitive Mm. game Mm. well with this Broja guy he got 10 goals in 30 games for Vitesse last season at 18 in the Dutch league I mean that's a pretty good it's a decent enough standard for an 18-year-old to get 10 goals there, so that's quite promising. Yeah, I don't know how much. Test, boy. I mean, you talk about, for example, Vestergaard's ability from corners. Obviously, I'm not sure how much this guy's going to play, but this presumably could approximate both offensively and defensively what Vestergaard did if he can break into the team. Yeah, he definitely looks different to what we've got in, in that sort of sense because we don't have that. Um, so he's, I think he's more somebody you can bring on in the last 15 minutes of a game. Giroud! Put it in the mixer. Mix things up. See what happens. Giroud! That concludes part one on Southampton mostly. In part two, we analyse recent penalty decisions in light of changes to the rules of the game brought in for this season.
Mathuidi, Giroud. Oui 